J.D. Greer says this, that the book of Acts is a story of a group of disciples who believe that Jesus loves sinners as much as the gospel shows that he does. The first church is exploding with the power of the Holy Spirit here in this book of Acts. The third person of the Trinity is moving and working and thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. And that persecution comes from the people that were in power that didn't want things to change and they didn't believe in Christ. And then we come to the conversion of Saul, who was later Paul the Apostles. One of the fiercest opponents to the Jesus movement becomes its greatest missionary. And this idea of being a missionary is an important part of the next chapter of the church. Up to this point, the gospel was mostly being preached to the Jews. And even the people that spoke the different languages at Pentecost were people that were Jewish uh, people in ethnicity, but culturally from different places around the world. And they had traveled to Jerusalem from all over that known area. Now, in the Old Testament, it was possible for a Gentile, a person that wasn't Jewish, to put their faith in God and the coming Messiah even before Jesus came like the people of Nineveh or Rahab and Ruth. But there were restrictions about where they could go in the temple and what they could do. And to be honest, the Old Testament Jewish people were not particularly welcoming or passionate about evangelizing Gentiles. In fact, they probably hurt the process more than they helped. See, Israel was supposed to be this example to the Gentiles, but they continually failed to uphold their part of the deal. But the Holy Spirit was about to turn the eyes of the church from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The Old, Prof uh, Old Testament prophets talked of this day. And Paul reminded us of this in Romans chapter 9 in verse 23. And it'll be up here on the screen. Paul says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath, Prepared for his destruction. Maybe it won't be up there. That's okay. Just listen real close. I might have added that after I told Valerie everything we were going to do today. Who knows? Uh, so let me read it again. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Verse 24 says, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Look how good she is. She just, on the top of her head, she just threw it up there. Verse 25 says, as indeed, he says in Hosea, here it is. Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not my beloved, I will call my beloved. And in the very place where it has been said, you are not my people. They will also be called the sons of the living God. We see here the Old Testament prophets talking about how the gospel was supposed to break out of just the Jewish people and into the whole entire world. And again, I want to encourage you to read through all these passages in Acts on your own. There's way too many good things in chapters 8 through 12 that I won't be able to touch on this morning. There's even an instance of someone being raised from the dead. So read Acts yourself as well. But here we're seeing the first real push outside of Jerusalem. And that happens when they're scattered by Saul, a.k.a. Paul, 
and he, how he was creating havoc, persecuting the church. So Philip, now this would not be the disciple Philip. This would be Philip, who was one of the seven deacons that were chosen, just like Stephen. He heads to Samaria, about 30 minutes north of Jerusalem. And this is a big deal because these people were only part Jewish. They would have had a mixed ethnic background, and Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people. They called them dogs, which is just terrible. And remember that the custom for the Jews was to walk around Samaria. But in his life, Jesus chose to go through. And he met the woman at the well and gave her the living water of the gospel. And then you remember Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan, where a Jewish man was beaten and dying on the side of the road, but the religious and political Jewish people wouldn't help this man. But a kind Samaritan walked by and helped nurse this man back to health. And Jesus told us to be like the Samaritan man. So Jesus was already giving clues that God was forcing the Jewish people to look outside of the people that looked and acted exactly like them. And he was giving them a clue of what would happen when he was ascended and how he felt about people of other nationalities. So here we are in Acts chapter 8. You can jump there if you want to. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, now those who were scattered, now that would have been by persecution, they went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him, they saw, and they saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So we see Deacon Philip going out of Jerusalem because of persecution, but he went preaching on the way and people were getting healed and lives were being changed and the Samaritan people wanted to follow Jesus too. Even though uh, they had been mistreated, they hear about this Jesus that had treated them differently and they wanted to follow him too. Well, there was a man who practiced magic by the name of Simon. Now, this wouldn't have been, you know, like Saul and a woman in half. This would have been much more uh, cultish and creepy. But by the man, uh, his name was Simon, saw all this happen, and Simon was intrigued. And he had been practicing magic for the people of Samaria, and they believed that he had the power of God. They even called him great. And I don't know if this is where, you know, that tradition of calling a magician, you know, Simon the Great happened. I don't know. Maybe. But Simon the magician says he wants to be a follower of Jesus too. And he's sincere about it. And the apostle Peter and John went to check on what was happening in Samaria after Philip had already been there. And they pray and lay hands on all these new followers. And these Samaritan people received the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that Peter and John received at Pentecost. And this was a sign of God's approval of what was happening here. But Simon sees all this. He, he had said he wanted to be a follower of Jesus, but his old magician ways come back. Does that ever happen to you where the person you were before you became a follower of Jesus kind of creeps back into your life? Maybe it's a situation where, uh, you know, you get kind of frustrated and all of a sudden you start taking off your earrings, right? And you're ready to fight somebody. So Simon says, hey, I want that power to be able to give the Holy Spirit too. And Simon tries to pay Peter and John to receive this ability. 
But Simon's way off base, right? God didn't want Simon's money. God wanted Simon's heart. The heart comes first. And that's how, uh, after that, following that is how we use our pocketbook to please God. First comes the heart. And we don't pay to receive spiritual blessings. We are blessed through our obedience and our faithfulness. So Peter calls Simon to repent, and Simon finally sees that he's in error. So next, Deacon Stephen goes on his way, and the Holy Spirit leads him to someone much farther away than Samaria, a man from Africa, an Ethiopian eunuch. This man was in charge of the treasury for the queen of Ethiopia, a very important man. But at somewhere along the way, he had become a follower of the one God of Israel. And he had come to worship God at the Feast of Weeks in Jerusalem at Pentecost. Maybe he was there and surely had heard about all that happened with those 3,000 people that had become followers of Jesus. And this Ethiopian man was riding along in his chariot and reading scripture. Read your Bible just like this guy does, right? Acts chapter 8, verse 30. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament, and asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And this man, this eunuch, said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began uh, with the scripture all the way at the beginning. And he told him the good news about Jesus. This prophecy that he was reading was about Jesus, and it was in the book of Isaiah, and it was this beautiful segue for Philip to be able to tell this man that Jesus already came. Hey, Jesus lived and died. The Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world had risen from the dead, and he has forgiven us of our sins. And this man gets saved, and he immediately gets baptized. The Spirit then carries Philip away, and Philip continues to preach in uh, the cities all around the area, and ending up in Caesarea. And we only hear of Deacon Philip one more time in the Bible. Twenty years later, Paul and Luke stop at Philip's house in Caesarea, and he's still a faithful follower of Jesus. If you've ever lived in an area, I've lived outside of Philadelphia, I've lived in Hot Springs, Arkansas, I've lived uh, in uh, just south of Atlanta, if you've ever lived in an area that has a lot of diversity, you might have heard at some point someone say that Christianity is a white man's religion. That simply isn't true. Most of the hearers in the Bible are dark-complected people. Now, for African Americans, I could see how Christianity would come uh, with a lot of baggage because of the fact that it was used as a way to control the slaves. Their masters going as far as editing the Bible to take passages out of the Bible like Israel being freed from slavery in Egypt. So it was used in a bad way. But being a follower of God and, and being a Christian in Africa has, all, has been there all the way since the beginning. In the Old Testament, you have Moses marrying a woman from Cush, which was southern Nubia at that time, which was modern-day Sudan or Ethiopia. The word Cush literally is translated as black. 
The queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon because she had heard of his fame and his relationship with God. Sheba would be modern day Ethiopia or Yemen. Jesus mentioned the queen of Sheba in the gospel of Luke as judging that present generation because they didn't recognize who the Messiah was and what God was doing. Like when she had traveled all the way from Africa to see what Solomon was, uh, God was doing. Jesus spent part of his childhood on the continent of Africa living in Egypt. Many of uh, those uh, around Jesus would have been from places like Syria, I mean, excuse me, like Cyrene. Even the man who helped Jesus carry his cross up the hill of Golgotha was Simon of Cyrene. He would have been born in modern-day Libya in Africa. There was also uh, some that were Cyrenian converts at Pentecost as well. My point is this, is that Christianity thrived in Africa, especially Northeast Africa. Christianity also thrived in Africa in the first century. And maybe this Ethiopian eunuch that we see Philip be able to give the gospel to had a big part in evangelizing that area for the good news of Christ. Many of the early church leaders like Tertullian, Clement, Origen, Athanasius, Augustine were all African. Alexandria, Egypt was a hub for these scholars and the preservation of uh, Scripture. The first country to declare Christianity their national religion was in Africa. Even today, three African countries are in the top ten largest uh, populations of Christians. Ethiopia being one, with 63% of Ethiopians being Christian. What am I saying? I'm saying the gospel is for everyone, and Christianity is not a white man's religion. And don't let people tell you that. And maybe we ought to change the nativity scene to have more than one dark-complected person in that. That's a pet peeve of mine. But the Holy Spirit used Deacon uh, Philip to start this process of breaking out of Jerusalem and spreading the message of hope all over the world. And it doesn't matter what the person looked like. Jesus loves them. They're made in the image of God. And all life has value from conception all the way to, uh, to the elderly, people on death row. All life has value. Chapters 9 through 11, we see Peter get involved in this effort to reach the Gentiles with the gospel. Peter was not all, always the most flexible person. So he needed a little bit of a push. And before all this, the Jewish people did have ceremonial laws about certain things that were, they were not allowed to eat. And these laws, along with other things, were ways to show the world that Israel belonged to God, that God's people were different. Well, the Gentiles ate those unclean foods and presumably worshipped other gods. So by association, the Jewish people wouldn't eat with Gentiles. See, the Jewish religious leaders of that day continually added to God's law, like we do a lot of times, right? God says, don't do this. And we say, well, yeah, that means don't do this, 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 and this. And that's what they did. And they came up with the idea of not only could they not eat pork, but they couldn't associate with anybody that eats pork. And Jewish traditions that they had added to God's law about food made it basically impossible for them to show love to Gentiles or tell them how good the God of Israel is. But God's about to do away with all these dietary laws because the Holy Spirit is going to be what sets apart his people now. So God sends an angel to give a vision to an Italian man named Cornelius. I'm not sure what his last name is, but let's just say it's Oliverio, right? That makes sense. But he was a Gentile. 
He was not Jewish. He was Italian. Cornelius was a worshiper of the one true God, but he was not yet a follower of Jesus. But the Bible tells us he was a generous man, a man of prayer that helped people often. But God saw Cornelius and faithfully rewarded his faithfulness to him. So God told Cornelius to send men to find Peter in Joppa and bring Peter back to him. Meanwhile, God was also giving Peter a vision as well in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. It says, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again the second time and says, what God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter's praying on his roof around lunch, and he's overcome with hunger. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe it's right now, right? But with me, what happens is at 12.30, I would have eaten a salad, but at 2.30, I'm eating a triple Baconator, and that's where I get in trouble. But for, for Peter, this is a supernatural hunger. Because God's trying to show him something, and the heavens open up, and a tablecloth filled with all the foods that he wasn't supposed to eat under the ceremonial Levitical law are on it. You remember those cartoons where the people are so hungry that their friends start looking like a ham with all the fixings and stuff? Well, Peter knows this stuff isn't allowed to eat. He's not allowed to eat it, but it looks so good. And the voice from heaven tells him to kill and eat these animals, but Peter says, no, I can't do that. He says, I'm not allowed to do that. But the voice told him again to eat and that God was now calling these things clean to eat. But this wasn't just about dietary restrictions. This was always about this racial divide that they had widened and how it was coming down. No more Jew and Gentile. All can be God's children. And he's making a new people that follow Jesus called the church. Well, just then, the man sent from Cornelius the Italian, show up right then as Peter is trying to figure out what this vision meant. And they said an angel told Cornelius to send us. So Peter left, them, uh, left with them in the morning to head to Cornelius' house. And by the time Peter has gotten to this house, he had finally figured out what God was trying to tell him in that vision. In Acts chapter 10, verse 28. And he said to them, you know yourself that it's unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of any other nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. And then Peter jumps into preaching to these Gentiles about the gospel of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And much like at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, verse 44, and while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. 
And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water baptism from these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. These men believed on the gospel of Jesus. And they received the Holy Spirit. And they followed the Lord in believers' baptism. And God is moving fast. And things are changing rapidly. And God is making it clear that the gospel is for everyone. Regardless of race or culture. Regardless of their diet of food. Regardless of whether they had taken part in circumcision and become a cultural Jew. God is using the apostles to show the followers of Jesus are his new people. The church We are his people. And it is to be multi-ethnic and a better picture of his love than any synagogue ever was or even the temple. Because the Holy Spirit has made his temple in us. And we're now supposed to reflect our future in heaven where every tribe and tongue and nation will bow their knee to King Jesus. Peter goes back to Jerusalem and the church there is confused. Why has Peter been hanging out with Gentiles and eating with them? And Peter's like, I know, right? But God told me to do it. God told me that all these unclean things are fine to eat now. And he's like, hey, guys, we can have bacon. I'm sure they celebrated. But then he says, oh, yeah, and I preached to these Italian guys, and they believed on Christ and received the Holy Spirit. So that means that God is behind all these changes. Acts chapter 11, verse 17, and for once, the church was okay with change. Here's what they said. (laughs) If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in the way of God? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And this church says, hey, if God is in it, We want to be in on it too. I know it's different. I know we're going to have to make some changes. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. The gospel is going to the Gentiles and God is on the move. And things were moving fast. So they planted the first Gentile church, which was in Antioch, which is in modern day Turkey. The apostles sent Barnabas and Paul to make sure that they had all their theology straight. And they taught them for a year and a great many people came to follow Christ. And this church in Antioch is this beautiful, multi-ethnic church of people from Lebanon and Libya and Cyprus. And the church in Antioch was booming and they cared about other people too. And they even send their resources to the Jewish churches that were struggling through a famine in Judea. And Antioch is the city where the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. They didn't name themselves that. The people in the city identified them as like Christ. Don't take for granted the significance of the gospel breaking out to the Gentiles because that is me and that is you. We are the uttermost and we are sitting in church today because of something that happened between Acts chapter 8 and verse 11. God has made us clean. And how terrible for us to close our hearts and close our doors to people that are outside right now. 
We now stand innocent before our Heavenly Father as believers in Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ. And we had sins that were like scarlet, but now they are white as snow. Why? Because God so loved the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We were all in sin, but Christ made a way, and the color of my skin doesn't bar us from God, and it never did. People and traditions got in the way, but God gives freely to all. God has meant, had meant for Israel to be a light to the world, but they failed. Isaiah 49, 6, it says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant? To raise up tribes of Jacob and bring back uh, the preserved of Israel. And this challenge, it says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Israel was supposed to be a picture of how much God loved the world. And it was supposed to be something that was intriguing and something that the nations around them would want to be a part of because of the love that they had for their God and how good their God was. They were meant to be a blessing to the nations, but they failed. So Jesus did it himself. And now it's your turn. We are in. God wanted me to be part of his family. Praise God. Let's be careful to make sure we never let our traditions stand in the way of one of God's beautiful children, whether Sumerian, Ethiopian, or Italian. Philip the, uh, told the Ethiopian man, and who knows what kind of impact that had on the world. So let us be a light of the world that we are called to, that we might act out the love that Jesus showed on the cross. So who are you going to? Who's the person maybe that you wrote off that said they would never be someone that is receptive to the gospel? Where's your mission field? Where are you called to act out this message that we have been given? We read right at the beginning that quote that says, the book of Acts is the story of a group of disciples who believed that Jesus loves sinners as much as the gospel shows that he does. What if we got so excited about the fact that Jesus saved us from our sins, regardless of the sins that I'd done, regardless of those things that haunt me and the devil tries to bring up to leave me chained in guilt and shame? What if we looked at those things and saw how amazing it is that Christ loves me. And then we got inspired to go and love people like that, to tell them about that Jesus that loves us regardless of all our stuff, to put aside the reason that we hate people and put people down and draw up dividers between us and everybody else. What if we listened and loved and told people about Jesus. The truth and love. Compassion and conviction. That's the story of the church. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would help us to reflect this, this church in Acts, God. Things weren't always perfect. They had hiccups and they 
messed up. And, but God, you did so much with them when they were in one accord, in one mind. And they didn't let all their opinions get in the way of what your word says. And they spoke the truth, but they did it with love. And they thought about people. They thought and looked at people as souls and as someone that ought to be glorifying God with their life. Because God deserves it. So who were you sent to? Is someone in your job, someone in your neighborhood, in your family? Maybe it's someone across the world. God wants to use you to push forward the gospel like he has been doing for 2,000 years. Using broken sinners to tell the most amazing story that's ever been told. That Jesus loves us despite our stuff. Someone out in this community needs to hear you say that to them today. I know it doesn't make sense, but we are plan A for the gospel getting to Harrison County. And there is no plan B. Christians are the way. Well, he could have used angels. He could have, he could have wrote it in the sky. But God chose to use us. Bible tells us, how can they hear without a preacher? You say, well, I'm glad I didn't go to seminary. Now I don't have to tell anybody. No, that's you. The one that proclaims, the herald, the one that proclaims the gospel. Let's do it with our life, let's do it with our love, and let's do it with our tongue. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, thank you these challenging words that push past our culture and push past our traditions and push past all of our family history, God, to get to the core of who you want us to be. God, help us to love you more than anything else. God, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Savior, God, that you would draw them to you right now. I pray that they would confess their sins and put their faith in in you, in your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray right now that they would call out to you. Not of any of their works, God, but what you did on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that they would make that choice today once and for all. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.